0: The
1: following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host Peyton Sarton. From Q and As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Note to Self. My name is Peyton Sarton and I am sitting here with Lauren McGoodwin. She is the CEO and founder of Career Contessa. She also wrote the book Power Moves, which I'm currently listening to on Audible, How Women Can Pivot, Reboot and Build a Career of Purpose. And she's the host of the Career Contessa podcast. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. I thought this would be a great January topic. We kind of started planning this last (laughs) year and I was like, let's wait till January because I feel like people are really, in terms of the spirit of rebooting and all of that stuff, we're, we're trying to make new plans for the year. And I yeah. feel like you're the perfect person to talk about your, you know, career reboot. Because as we just discussed, I try to talk career all the time, but I just have had a somewhat of a different approach to my career. Directly out of college, I started writing my blog and I kind of dove into that really mm-hmm. intensely and took a quite large risk there. <laughs> yeah, That was a while ago. It was eight years ago now. But I think that when people ask me about career, I I don't know what to say because it's just not something that I have a lot of experience in. Like, I, for example, have never really worked with men. Like, Josh is the first guy I've worked <laughs> with closely in my entire career. Yeah. And a lot of questions women have are like, how do you work with men? Like, what do you say to this? But, you know. Yeah. Like, I really wanted to have you on to talk about this. And I'm yeah. really excited to cover these topics because I feel like I have not done the corporate girlies any justice (laughs) with my career advice lately. So can you introduce yourself to everyone who is unfamiliar with your career contessa? Yeah. So my name
1: is Lauren McGoodwin. I'm the founder and CEO of Career Contessa. We are a professional development website and resource for women who are trying to build healthy, successful careers. And that looks a little different for everybody. So at Career Contessa, we do a lot of content creation. We've got blogs and articles with advice. We have an anonymous salary database. so You can go check out how much money people are making. We have a jobs board career coaching. Every once in a while, you need a coach and you cannot trust Google to give you (laughs) as a vetted person. We have a podcast, the Career Contessa podcast. So our goal really is to help women build successful and fulfilling careers on their terms. And again, that looks different for everybody. So that requires a a deep resource that you can trust and go to for really anything.
0: Yeah. And I listened to a couple episodes throughout the week of their career Contessa podcast. Mm-hmm. One, I like your solos, but you have such good guests on as well. I do. I have really like, good guests. Like <laughs> really good guests. I'm like going through like hmm, like now that I'm I'm having more yeah. guests on this year, that's a twenty twenty four resolution. And mm-hmm. every time I have someone come up like up you know, on the chopping block for the guest list or whatever. I listened to their podcast and then yeah. I had so many ideas and I'm like, I don't want to like copy everyone, but like well, y'all it. can make some intros it. for you. Yeah, um, you know so what sick. it
1: is? I have a lot of authors who mm-hmm. are like experts at their topic, which helps. And then also the professors, like yes. the people who literally their whole career is dedicated mm-hmm. to researching this <laughs> one topic. They're very good at talking about
0: it. I think like <laughs> that's the kind of the kind of people I like to talk to in my normal life about yeah. stuff, like obviously very incredible people, <laughs> yeah. and I'd have really don't know, not known, I guess, where to go with guests on the pod because I I don't want it to become too informative because Note to Self is a pretty relaxed vibe, you know right. what I mean? So when I start bringing on like professors of, yeah. I don't know, or <laughs> because in like introduce like I'm like inter- interested. I have a really niche interest in theoretical physics. So <laughs> that is very niche, very niche. <laughs> and when I say it, people are like, "Do you even know what that is?" Like, "No, you don't." Yeah, you know, like I I really do, <laughs> and I'm like, "Do I?" do we dive into that yeah. or do I just like bring my <laughs> friends on? I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> but I love I love the podcast. I think the book I'm listening halfway through the book on Audible, like I said, an incredible resource in terms of like foundational. But I like the podcast for the quick like yeah. productivity hacks. Yeah. Or today I listened to one that was like four like career hacks and yeah. super simple things to pick up. So definitely add that to your list yeah. of podcasts because I know people are always looking listen. To yeah. Your if you
1: need like quick daily or regular career advice, I feel like mm-hmm. that's what the podcast was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, like where your weekly career advice piece. If you need to go deeper, you read a book, you take an online course, mm-hmm. you get an article, you get a coach. And that's usually I tell people I'm like, that usually means you're probably going to leave your job soon. So yeah, yeah. your employer probably won't <laughs> love it. But, you know, you do that on your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I
0: love that. Yeah. The podcast, we usually start when I do solos, at least with note to self. I start with a, a content corner. So I talk about like people I'm following or yeah. movies I'm Watching just anything that I'm consuming that I like of the week, yeah, and so it's it's a nice placement to put career chaos in the beginning. Is there anything that you? It could be related to career or not. Is there anything you're listening to or watching podcast related, show related lately that mm. you're just loving? So somebody I've been diving deep into. Have you
1: ever heard of Glucose Goddess? Yes. Okay. I'm obsessed She is with on her. my guest list. <laughs> Me too. She's amazing. I love on Instagram. She does these little, you know, charts with habits to your blood sugar after yeah. you eat this thing, that thing. And it's all. anyway, I read her book um, I had to listen to it twice because it was like mm-hmm. going through my brain and a lot coming on the, the other side, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was like a lot of information. But so I feel like, again, 2024, feeling of like wellness. Like, I don't want anybody telling me what to eat, what not to eat. Mm-hmm. But I like the science behind it. And she has hacks of if you guys aren't following Glucose Goddess. Highly recommend you it. You should. It's are really you, interesting. Are you on TikTok? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> like, this makes me sound so old. <laughs> I'm like more of an Instagram person, but I need to get more on it's TikTok. It's fine. Yeah. It's
0: fine. I love TikTok. I, I am constantly consuming on TikTok. and mm-hmm. create less on there. But yeah. I, I love this guy. I think his handle is at insulin resistant one. Oh, I would love that. He and these are the people I follow again yeah. on TikTok. It's like <laughs> when I say niche, it's niche. <laughs> and he wears a glucose monitor and he'll eat certain foods and then it'll show you yeah. how that registered on, on the glucose monitor. And then he'll do things like have a shot of apple cider vinegar before yes. and then show yeah. you what happens or have some greens before and, or go on a walk after. And I've mentioned him. And when I say half of the episodes some note to self, <laughs> I was like, wait, do you know this guy? Like, I don't know. I don't know his name. Yeah. <laughs> I just follow him very closely. Yeah. And I have gone through literally all of his TikToks to see how like every single item of food affects. Yes. Uh, I guess your insulin because I have PCOS. Oh, it's okay. a huge part yeah. of that. Yeah. So that's how I got yeah, pointed with the glucose it's funny. Goddess. I got
1: Hashimoto's, which is how mm. I got into it okay. because that's a whole thing about you're supposed to Inflammation, be paying attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. So it's so interesting. Okay, I have to. I'll get his yeah. name from you again you because should. I love this kind of stuff. And I think I could easily see everybody starting to wear a glucose monitor pretty mm-hmm. soon. I mean they have to make one that maybe isn't like literally a needle going yeah. into you. Yeah. And it gets million once, dollars. Yeah. Once yeah. they make one that's like a watch or, you know, mm-hmm. attached to your Apple Watch, I think everybody's gonna be well, it's
0: so important. talking about that. The mm-hmm. more that I the more that I realize, I and mean, I grew up eating the most amount of sugar you've ever known yes. anyone. Like I came from Texas and the suburbs typically, like I had three Dr. Peppers a day. That's like uh, 150 that grams of sugar <laughs> and just beverages. Yeah. It was gross. And like I didn't we had no idea with the sugar no. thing. You know what I mean. Yeah. And My family were very active, yeah, and everyone plays sports besides myself up to like a college level. So very like in shape. So I think yeah. that we just thought can it was okay. Get away yeah, with we it. can yeah. get away with yeah. it. And honestly, I am. I think the PCOS is partially because of that because my diet was horrible for yeah. I don't know, 22 years almost. Same.
1: I think Hashimoto's, I think same thing. And also whatever they were doing, with birth control with all us mm. girls. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I know too many weird things yes. that have happened to too many <laughs> friends. I'm like, something was in the water we need in to the 90s it out. and yeah. 2000s yes. that we did not do us all justice. But no, yeah, absolutely. Was,
0: yeah. So that's, Definitely yeah. one of my favorites, glucose Goddess. Yeah, she's amazing. Have you seen, let's see, do you watch like Netflix and stuff like that a lot? A little see. bit, yeah. Okay. So I just watched the show The Brother's Son. Oh. And it is like, I describe it as kind of like a boy show a little bit. Like there is like fighting that I like zoom through because I'm like, this is so boring. I don't need to see everyone fighting for yeah. 20 minutes. But the show was actually so good. I watched it all in one day. Mm-hmm. My dog wasn't feeling very well like this <laughs> last weekend. So I just like laid with her on the couch and I was kind of like... I hate this for you, but also like this is an excuse away. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so I watched literally eight hours of that show. It was so good. And then have you seen Saltburn?
1: Oh, I started that, but I didn't finish it. Yeah. Have you? <laughs> I it's a on little my list. traumatizing. Yeah, a yeah. little
0: traumatizing. There's parts of it that like and I'm pretty I don't know. I'm I'm pretty dark. I yeah. can get dark and I can like, be not like be true shocked. crime kind of things. Love yeah. true crime. Yeah. I love creepy stuff. And I just like my favorite genre of reading is this like dark modern American literature that's all about like just like metaphors for horrible death and things like that, <laughs> yeah. that. Like, just like I don't know, reflects back certain parts of life. But knowing that, I went into this movie and I was like, whatever, I'm not going to be like that shocked by some of this <laughs> yeah. stuff. And some of the things I was traumatized by, yeah, like genuinely traumatized. Yeah. So, Saltburn, not for the faint of heart. Yes. It's kind of the vibe of a book that I shared recently that I saw someone reading, actually, that I was like, I hope that they don't, like, think I'm a freaking crazy maniac after reading this. It's called Animal by Lisa Tadeo, and I just read that recently. Similar vibe. Like, if you're in a depression, don't read that book, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) I would say maybe don't, but Saltburn carried that energy for me, so those are my
1: um, the one on Netflix I like is How to Live to 100. You might like that one. I've like, heard of that maybe one. Maybe it's not on Netflix. It's somewhere. Is and it? It's a Blue Zone Yeah, the Blue Zone Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay. and it kind of goes along with what we're talking <laughs> about. And mm-hmm. like, you know, basically, I think these people are not spiking their glucose like their whole lives. They're normal. Yeah, They're even keeled. Like, yeah, <laughs> their insulin is totally even keeled. <laughs> Glucogod, as she always says, you're like cooking yourself from the inside out. You know, they're not doing that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they're even killed the whole time. And that's Me. why they're living to 100. I like that metaphor i guess. Yeah, yourself. she has, she has a couple of good ones
0: for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Yeah, her, her other closely.
1: one is um no naked carbs. Or maybe that's from somebody else. Now mm-hmm. I've like you know when you start following them then they introduce mm-hmm. all these other people mm-hmm. that do something else. And so that was another one of like if you just eat naked carbs, aka carb without like a fat, then it's going to spike your glucose. Yes. So I'm on this whole journey and if you're interested, get in my DMs and we can have a whole conversation about it because I know it's quite the departure from like career stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, but I was about to say, have you had
0: her on? No, I know. I really need to. I need to
1: find like a way to make it work into career. But honestly, I feel like when you're at work and your insulin is spiking, you're probably like need to get up and you think you need another coffee. Yeah, you can't focus. And so I'm like, actually, this totally relates to being, you know, to working. So you know, you got to bring your best self to work. So there you go. Yeah, you're like,
0: I'm. This is how i spending it. <laughs> you're like, <on> <laughs> I'm really gonna make this fit, okay? <laughs> you cannot tell me otherwise. <laughs> I also just love that people are starting to realize how important, you know, focusing on that is to our health. Like yeah. overall, like yeah. you're talking about Hashimoto's, I'm talking about PCOS. Yeah, obviously, there's type one, type two diabetes, yeah. things like that. It's mm-hmm. just it affects literally everything. everything. Yeah, and how do we not know this before?
1: How am I just learning this? I don't know. I'm like, did I just miss this memo or Mm -hmm. did actually nobody tell us? I don't think
0: anyone told us. It's kind of like women's health where like no one told us. Well,
1: you know what? So I have two kids under the age of two and you really don't learn about any of this stuff until you become pregnant. And Mm -hmm. they only start asking you questions because they care about the baby. And so therefore they're trying to make sure like you're okay. So I'll tell you that you are just like, you know, there to kind of bring them into this world and then it's Mm -hmm. all about them. But like, sometimes the there's side effects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, so there's a side effect that now we care about, you yes. know, but right when I got Hush Modest, they're like, well, have your kids been tested for that? It was like, it was like, okay, great. We know that about you, but back to
0: your kids. I <laughs> okay, okay? was anyway. like, make it be impacted by this
1: thing too. I was like, okay, I love All them, right. but what
0: about me? <laughs> yeah, I'm what's happening? <laughs> I actually want to have some people on and I need a like a really nice List. I need to put something together to talk about women's health, this yeah, particularly in the U.S. Because this is a Hormones. women's podcast, yeah, and I am traumatized. Again, I've been traumatized three times on this podcast so far. <laughs> I am traumatized by learning more about women's health and how we deal with it specifically yeah. in the U.S. It makes me nauseous and of course coming from a misandrist who I do believe women are better than men yes obviously <laughs> yeah. Josh hears this all the time so he's used to it don't <laughs> worry. I'm like a sickened I'm like what is happening so I definitely want to focus on that cares. for sure <laughs> no one gives a blind no. fuck well, not even women sometimes and I'm like what sometimes are we doing women are worse yes. honestly it's
1: funny even with stuff related and not to bring this back to Chris, but mm-hmm. like when me too is happening people were like oh are you just flooded with your dms of horrible stories about men i was like we're actually being flooded with stories about how women have treated other women horribly yes. it was sort, you know so to your mm-hmm. point like sometimes it's women who are not being very kind to other women yes men have no idea what's yes. going on <laughs> but yeah there i had someone on the show once who talked about your cycle cycle thinking mm-hmm. for work and how Indeed. and same idea where like at certain points of your cycle you're more interested in doing deep focus work sometimes during your uh, cycle, you might be more interested in networking. And mm-hmm. so you have to be able to actually pay attention to that. So then you could take advantage of those things mm-hmm. in your career. And I was like, again, Superpower. like where, yeah, yeah, like where, you know, it's the idea of like powering through something that I feel like was ingrained in women
0: Yeah.
1: versus let's learn about ourselves and see how, you know, like I would say, like, don't mess with hormones. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to win the battle. They're always going to win. But like no one ever taught us how to like work with these things. Mm-hmm. It was always just you're a woman. Power
0: through. Yeah, that's what you do. Well, also, we've been in the workplace for like five seconds. Yeah, I mean, you know you know what what I mean? we're not even like, really allowed it. to do that. You know, so <laughs> we're new here. We're fresh, yeah, and we're I'm not fresh. even in there. And honestly, it's not that great sometimes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> please, please, we uh, yeah. bring this out. Yeah, I actually can't wait for the, I guess, the time or the era where women are more in leadership as yeah. they should be, yeah. and as we know, and you, you discussed in the beginning of your book, like a lot of companies are more successful that way. Yeah, um, and they start being run a little bit more like women. So in terms of maybe our cycles and, yeah. and harnessing or our We're just even superpowers.
1: like thinking about women in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So like designing workplaces. So for example, all these CEOs who are like mandating people to come back to the office, based on what? Like yeah. where's the data? And it's like they're out at the golf course talking to their buddy. So you're not in the office when you make yeah. this decision that you want everyone back in the office. And honestly, there's so much data and research out there that shows how remote work is actually not the thing that is hurting people's productivity. You know Mm -hmm. what hurts your productivity is having 5,000 messaging apps that you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. talking to your employees on, right? Like Like, bureaucracy. Yeah. That hurts your productivity (laughs) productivity more than where you work. And there's research about like distributed teams and how like even at the studio, they're probably working with people in the Austin, Texas office. They're Mm -hmm. distributed, right? So I have to laugh when these CEOs like have these mandates and I'm like let me guess a white male decided that everyone should come back to the office because that's how they want to manage mm-hmm. but the people who benefit the most from remote work are women underrepresented minorities mm-hmm. people who have disabilities like all the people that nobody has cared about yeah yeah they really benefit which is from not it.
0: the majority of people you know what no, I mean like no, it's well like, and that's part of the problem it yeah, isn't the majority it's the majority of like workers I feel like leadership not reflecting in that no you know no I mean? not at all and so I have I, I don't laugh. I actually I'm like, uh, well, you I'm have to cry. cry like, again, it's a traumatic laugh. It's yeah. like one of those things that when something yes. bad is happening, you have to laugh yeah. because you're going to cry.
1: Otherwise, It's you know, the thing when COVID happened, and everybody went, you know, to remote work or flexible work. I was like, this is our moment. Like, this mm-hmm. is the moment that like we can make remote human. And yeah. to feel like we're going backwards is always one of those like cringe moments where you're like, please, like, mm-hmm. let's move forward. Let's not go back. And it feels like it doesn't matter how much data and research and anecdotal stories about you know people again being able to like be there to take their kid to see that specialist who's only open mondays at noon because mm-hmm. that's what happens but also work you know like it yeah. doesn't make room for any of that and it doesn't so, make room
0: for you to be a person
1: no and that and especially even, not a mother definitely not a parent and honestly i'm like i don't even care if you have kids or don't have kids mm-hmm. like even if you don't have kids you don't want to be in an office probably 24-7 because there's this thing called life that you would probably like to also pursue maybe and, do
0: one yeah, day yeah. like have a hobby
1: have some relationships community anyway I, obviously you know where I stand on like, yeah. the remote work thing but yeah like again nobody has taken that stuff into account so. mm-hmm. not nobody Wife there are some, yeah. yeah there are some really great companies out there that are doing that but mm-hmm. it's like if I was job searching today I would absolutely prioritize that because I don't care what you say about your culture yeah if you say remote work and then change it like you're telling me more about your culture through your actions and mm-hmm. you are with your work
0: so I don't really care. <laughs> and that kind of follows through with everybody. Like we talk about that a lot on note to self is looking at actions rather yeah. than words. Because yeah. I'm so bad. Like, with, with, when people talk to me, I'm just like, I don't, I always go based off action, whether yeah. it's friends or family or relationships specifically. Yeah. But work, I hadn't really thought about it in that, I guess, capacity. So yeah. That's a really good note. Yeah. Watch the note actions. To <laughs> note to self, guys. Watch the actions. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Truly Hard Seltzer. What a freaking sponsor for note to self, because if there's one thing my friends and I love on the weekend and sometimes on the weekdays, it's an ice cold hard seltzer. Lately, I've just not been like a shot taking a shot kind of girly and it's easier for me to ease in with a hard seltzer. I'm obsessed with Truly's hard seltzers. These are easily, easily the favorite of myself and my friends. And I have recently learned that Truly is shaking things up with their new party pack. Truly believes life can be more refreshing when we can be real, let loose, embrace imperfection, and allow ourselves to be free from convention. That's why Truly has something for everyone in more than 30 unique flavors, including three lightly flavored mix packs, berry, and a new party pack. Truly Heart Seltzer's new party pack has a flavor for everyone, making it perfect for you and your friends. This is iconic because I feel like some of my friends like we're kind of mixed on the flavors that we like. So we'll get like one pack for some people and one pack for another. And I like that the party pack kind of has something for everyone. So I can order a party pack for a little group instead of like ordering a ton With four fan favorite flavors, including brand new raspberry, it's got a little something for everyone. Bring it to wine night, bring it to book club, bring it to the gym, maybe not the gym, maybe for after the gym. I mean, you get the idea. With this new pack, there's nowhere you cannot bring the party. Each flavor is super light, crazy refreshing and made with real fruit juice and with only 5% ABV, 100 calories and one gram of sugar in each can. Truly is the perfect drink to keep on track with your New Year's resolution unless your resolution was to have less fun. Then you can kick Truly to the side, but I'm pretty sure that's not any of our New Year's resolutions, not especially mine. Mine was actually to have a lot more fun. To find Truly Hard Seltzer near you, go to trulyhardseltzer.com locations, that's slash locations. Truly Hard Seltzer. Keep it light. Truly Hard Seltzer Beverage Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Please drink responsibly.
1: Welcome, Welcome to Barely, Barely filtered, filtered, hosted by us. us. I'm Aurora Culpo, star of the HBO Max show, The Culpo Sisters. Don't tell my sisters I said so. I'm a recently divorced mom of two living in Los Angeles with my ex-husband. I'm part granola mom, part glamorous jet setter. I'm Kristen Gaffney, also a mom, a startup nerd who modeled for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit and the founder and CEO of Super True. I always like to microdose my coffee before I hit up carpool. Welcome to Barely Filtered. Our safe space. (laughs) Here, we discuss health and wellness, becoming a grown ass woman, and what's going on in this crazy world. And while we don't agree on everything, we do agree on this. We We want want you to to live live your your best best life. life.
0: So today I wanted to talk and kind of zoom in on a part of your book called The Career Traps. Yeah. And there are four of them. Mm -hmm. I think this is a great one because we're talking about working remote and kind of like the benefits of that. And the first one that you talk about in your book is busyness. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about how that's a career trap?
1: Yes, I'm sure... So let me back up and just say what career traps are. So, Mm -hmm. traps are specifically set up for you to get stuck in them. So, if you've ever felt this way, you're supposed to. Like, our society is set up for you to wear this badge of busyness and Mm -hmm. then not understand, like, why is my productivity and my busyness not equaling results? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, again, I kind of grew up in like the girl boss hustle culture where it was like, you know, just create your own company if that's the solution to things or like, you know, hustle harder and keep calm and carry on. And it was very much this idea of like, if you are busy, then you are getting ahead. If you are busy, then you are important. And I think there was a lot of mix of career identity that came into that. And so one of the biggest career traps that keeps people from being able to move forward and instead they kind of hit this career wall is wearing busyness like a badge of honor. And so instead it's really like taking a step back and understanding that like focus is way more important. Being able to do a few things really well, a few important things really well, mm-hmm. is more valuable than doing a gazillion things. What we found too, even like when we talk to readers at Career Contessa, is when they were overly productive or like having this busyness factor, they weren't feeling fulfilled. It wasn't filling up their cup either. Mm-hmm. So it's really about identifying like the solution to this trap is really identifying like okay, what are those few things that would be way more important to focus deep down on and go deep versus wide with the things that you're doing? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think we've all seen it where you look at someone's highlight reel and you're like, oh, they're so busy and mm-hmm. they're doing all these cool things.
0: And yeah. look
1: at me, I'm just sitting well, at people home. people
0: also tell you that like when yeah. you're, and
1: I'm I'm oh, not yes. <laughs> a
0: super busy person, like I get overwhelmed easily. So I feel busy, mm-hmm. but I when I look at other people, I'm like actually Really, not that busy. And I guess this is going to lead us into comparison <laughs> yeah. to the next Yeah. Trap. But for me, there's a point you made in the book that stuck out with me because I've said this before. And I guess I realized, I realized this last year. It was like people who are successful in the past, you know, not maybe right now, we usually look at them and they're living in, in luxury. Yeah. They're like relaxing. Yeah. They're out on the golf course with yeah. their buddies. You know what I mean? And we, for me at least, I have glorified busyness mostly. I think, because I'm anxious and yeah. it, it feeds anxiety. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, it's just one of those indulgences for anxiety yeah. for me, at least. And then also it's the way that it looks outwardly. And then I was like, you know what? I want to be a lady of leisure. Actually, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to yeah. live to work. I yeah. want to work so I can like Fulfill that part of my life, and then I want to land a beach, yeah, really with a piña colada, like in the Bahamas. <laughs> like that's what I want to be doing all the time. So it it took me out of this place of like, oh, I want to be busy for my identity, and I was like, no more. I want to be a luxurious woman for my identity, and I would like to work in order to support that. I guess, yeah. So I guess that's my focus. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think. Well, I think that's a great focus, but also I think when it comes to busyness with people, it's to your point, getting clear on what it is that you want, mm-hmm. and then trying to be be much more effective. So like I try not to say like, let's run a productive meeting. It's like, let's run a really effective meeting. Let's Mm -hmm. run a really efficient meeting. So for example, you might be able to get more done than the average person in a day because you're really highly effective and efficient in your process. You know, Mm -hmm. like you use ways to help save you time and energy. That's all great. You know, but I would also argue that workplace recovery or recovery time is just as important Mm -hmm. as being really productive and really on. And in fact, Again, like research shows that you can actually get more done and be much more, quote, productive if you also prioritize rest and recovery, which is why people started talking about burnout and they started recognizing, like, hey, actually, instead of sleeping four hours a night, if I sleep eight, I'm like way better the next day. Yeah. And again, this is kind of, I think we're getting better about this stuff, but, you know, being disciplined to rest and for you to like sit down and not feel the constant need to like be doing five different things, that Mm -hmm. takes just as much discipline as it does to be. Super productive and efficient
0: and getting yeah. things done and whatnot. For you to be intentional about yes. it. Yes. You yeah. really do. And I, I think also thinking about like maybe a corporate workplace, I can see how this would be hard from a person who wants to be seen as, you know, really effective and, and yeah. productive or yeah. like they like their job or they're really into it. I feel like it would be hard to take a step back because there's people all around you who are working really hard to prove themselves as well. Yeah. And I'm sure it can really, obviously, it's a different type of anxiety that can feed into more. Well, I need to be here earlier and I didn't do this and I didn't you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It's it's a sad reality that you can outperform someone but not be better than them. Yeah. And part of that is like. So there's this phrase that happened a lot to women and it was called, I think it was called like the
0: I say, it sounds like womanhood. T- tiara <laughs> syndrome,
1: where it was like, I'm going to work really hard, keep my head down and someone will come put the tiara on my head and mm-hmm. kind of be like, okay, you get promoted. And I think we're learning that no, the person you can outperform someone, not be better because that person is better at self-advocating. They're better at being effective at their time mm-hmm. and understanding, like, instead of doing 10 things that don't, where eight of them aren't that important or don't make that big of an impact at work, mm-hmm. what are the two things that do? And so I think that's an important lesson for people to learn, too, is like, hey, the goal is not just to be on the hamster wheel. The Mm -hmm. goal is to be really efficient with your time and energy. And you want to be that invaluable person at work, not that indispensable person. Invaluable people, they get to move around around the company. They can move up. We know that wherever we put you, you're going to be helpful. Okay. Indispensable is like, we can't have this job happen without you. Therefore, you never get to grow because
0: we need you in the that's role. A, that's smart. You know, yeah. so
1: you're the working hard person who doesn't actually get rewarded. Yeah. That's not our okay. goal. That's a good hat. That's a good hack. <laughs> yeah,
0: don't do that. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next one in terms of comparing those two is comparison. Yeah. And so can you explain how comparison happens in the workplace? Yes. You know, a
1: little comparison I want to say is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So there was this researcher and she came up with this term is called compare and despair. And women are actually literally wired to do this more because we're more Mm relationship-minded. So what, what she found is that there are more people who will compare themselves to others, and the more they compare themselves, the more they start to despair in their own life of like, You know, why should I even have that goal? Because, you know, Susie and Sally are so far ahead of me. There's no reason for me to try to accomplish it. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that actually a little comparison is not a bad thing. So, for example, you mentioned like there's some people in my life who are more productive than me. Maybe there's something you could learn from them. Maybe Mm -hmm. they manage their schedule a little better or maybe they have like a time management tool that would be really helpful. That kind of comparison, not so bad. It makes right, yeah. you sort of like learn and grow and evolve. But when you are comparing to the point where you are like obsessing about someone else's mm-hmm. life and trying to figure out like constantly chase after their next move, is it helping you? Like, I think the big question for is for you is like comparing yourself to that person, especially in the professional workplace. Like they got this promotion. They get to work on this project. Mm-hmm. Look what their LinkedIn says, what they're doing on Instagram if the comparison is helping you grow, then great. If it's not, then you are going to become one of those compare and despair people. And that's not good. (laughs) We don't want that. (laughs) Because honestly, what we're not trying to do is kind of suck the motivation out of you of sort of like, why do I want to do this? And what I find with people too, when they get to those deep parts of comparison, the inner critic comes out and then they kind of beat themselves up. And it's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we're going down a whole different pathway that we don't want to go where it's in fact, we want to move more to us like, practicing self-compassion. It's like it brings yeah. up a whole nother set of challenges that happen. So some comparison, great. Mm-hmm. You know, like seeing, especially for the corporate girl is like who's the manager or the person above you where you're like, I want their job or I really aspire to what they're doing. That can be great, can be really motivating. And it especially when you're young in your career, mm-hmm. aspirational people is what you need. You need something because you're not given like a map of here's the exact guide yeah. um, for you to do with your career. So you almost need those people to help you kind of come up with a game plan. But if you are comparing yourself so much to somebody else where, again, you're like in this run to keep keep
0: up, then mm-hmm. then you're really just cutting yourself short with that. And you're not focusing on what you're good at. No. You know what I mean? I feel like it's everyone has something that makes yeah. them special. I'm, I'm not a person yeah. that thinks everyone is the most special person on the planet yeah. <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. But you do have your own skills and things to offer. Right. And you're going to be hopefully in the position to be someone's going to want to follow that or yeah. your you know story up. We I even see this in my job. And when I first started, this was a big thing with influencers yeah. and social media brand partnerships, for example. Yeah. I used to even have like I'm not a big comparison person, I'm just not very competitive. So I don't think that comes naturally to me. Right. But I do a lot of like I want to see what other people are doing. So I'm more aware of what's available to me. I think that's something that I am happy that I'm I'm happy. That's how my brain works. I don't know what that is or how that happened to me. But I think a lot of I watched a lot of my friends be very, very upset. Yeah. Even watch like my mom, for example, my mother, (laughs) <laughs> would
1: like the formal, mother. The formal yeah. mother she
0: would text me and be like why did so-and-so get this partnership and you didn't and I'm like one that's just not how it works like, yeah it wasn't like we were yeah. on the chopping block for yeah. the same thing like it was yeah. just like a random brand partnership and I had to ban her from texting me because I'm like you're actually stressing me yeah. out now like yeah. why are you doing this to me yeah and it came with a lot of like People saw certain influencers doing well. So there's obviously in the space a lot of yeah. copying and a yeah. lot of people being upset. But then I saw on the back end some of my friends on the more extreme side would really almost like paralyze themselves. Yeah. They they Analysis, would just be so upset. Is a real yeah. Yep. They would be mm-hmm. so u- upset about how they didn't get something or how someone yep. else did. And they would be, I mean, I mean, tears. I saw yeah. so many tears. And at this point, I'm just like, you have to just move forward, you know yeah. what I mean? Do your own thing and yeah. kind of like work with what comes to you and make the most of it, I think, in my job. So it's something that I definitely saw when I was reading that yeah. part of the book or listening. Yeah. because I'm just, <laughs> shower, just like being lazy. Um, that counts. Too. Yeah, it counts. <laughs> listening to that part of the book, I was like, the reason I like these career traps because it they don't only apply to corporate girlies, but I think yeah. it can a- apply to anyone. Anybody working for yourself, it applies I, to your life as well. Say, I
1: remember feeling that way in college, and mm-hmm. like when I wasn't even thinking about careers, that compare and despair. Like, am I doing? And you know what it is? It, it it feeds into the whole feeling of like, am I doing enough? And mm-hmm. I think that's that's its own trap. Or am I doing right? Like yeah. things right? And that's another right.
0: thing that I talk about a lot. And one of my most freeing thoughts that I've had because I turned thirty. Two, a couple weeks or no last week <laughs> half ago. and I was thinking about the things that I learned in my first 30 years that actually really affected me and yeah. I think one of them was no one else knows what they're doing yeah, either absolutely so you take it so serious and everyone else you think everyone has it figured out yes. and no one does everyone's just kind of doing their best yes and sometimes it looks like I mean I, I know from personally people will act like it looks like I have it figured out people in my own same job and stuff are like oh my god they're killing it with this or whatever and yeah. I'm like. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm glad it looks like that. But like, I'm so confused. And so I realized when I started getting better at my job and people started making those comments, I was like, oh, people really don't know what's going on.
1: Well, it makes me think there's this like quote I see on Instagram a lot where it's like, remember you are like where you are now is where you wish you had been or something like that, you know, or don't compare your middle to someone's finish line. Mm -hmm. And that's also what happens in this compare and despair thing is like someone who's comparing just starting out as an influencer to where Mm -hmm. you're at you have eight plus years of doing this, mm-hmm. right? And so you are going to be further along. You can't have that expectation. And I think managing those expectations, is a slippery slope, you yes. know, because we don't want you to kind of, like, if you go so far extreme, then you probably will give up on it because you're like, oh, there's no point. There is something to be said about, like, ignorance is bliss a little mm-hmm. bit. And like, you didn't maybe know what you were building yeah. eight years in. or. When you aren't comparing every single move of your competitors, that's probably a really good thing for you because you can focus on what you're building. My friend always tells me this story about how she's like, well, race horses they race with blinders around their eyes so mm-hmm. that they can't see what the other horse is doing, and I was like, what? I was like, what's your point? And she's yeah, like, yeah. That's the whole point about your career. Like you should have sort of blinders on where you're mm-hmm. looking straight ahead. And seeing what you aspire to, but not necessarily feeling like everyone who's kind of at your level is your competition. Yeah. Right. And especially for the corporate girlies, one thing I would bring up about that is like your peers, similar to you, like your peers in your space, they're your best networking tool. Mm -hmm. Instead of comparing yourself to those people. Why not start a text chain with them to be like, OK, how did you work with that brand? How did you get that partnership? You know, I had a brand the other day asked me for something like licensing. I was like, I don't know. Like, what yep. should I price?
0: make this I was up? Like, yeah. I have no <laughs> idea what
1: the price. So I like texted a friend. I was like, what would you charge them for this licensing thing? Mm-hmm. They're technically, I guess, quote unquote, my competition. But I don't want to compare and compete with them. I'd rather work together. Mm-hmm. And so your peers can be actually one of your best assets in growing your career if you can see it that way and kind of form that relationship. Yeah. But if you are a competitive person who's always comparing
0: always trying to find out what other people have so that you can have more than them. Or even like when you approach people like that, networking, I guess, with people like that, people can tell and then yeah. you seem like a dickhead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like so <laughs> yeah. Like it's so obvious. It hell? is so obvious.
1: Like genuine networking. Yeah. And this is another one of those rules that really applies to anyone in their career. Like mm-hmm. genuine networking your your motive is just to meet cool people doing cool things without that ulterior
0: motive. Yes. Like, that's truly what it well, is. Well, you just want to learn as yeah. well. Like, I think you want to learn more about your space. I always think there's nothing bad about getting, nothing bad can happen from getting more information. No. In my opinion. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just learn as much as possible and you can learn mostly from other people, I, I think. Yeah. Which is why I, I love listening to podcasts, things like that. I like yeah. having a podcast yeah. so I can bring people on and Same. talk about it. But it also reminds me of this TikTok that has gone really viral and people have made like renditions of their own rendition of this TikTok and it's like this guy crying in the mirror and it's like when I realize I'm comparing myself or my timeline to someone else and then I like picture that this is the middle of my documentary about how I got famous <laughs> and he just like yeah. start smiling in the mirror like a psycho and I'm like that is I feel like that's a good energy to bring say, you in have your to life have that energy, <laughs> yeah. you know
1: you have to feel like it's always your comeback season yeah you know so it's like mean? you're about um, to you're about to get there. my friend has this great quote she says it's this or something better and mm-hmm. I like to think of that like when things are not going your way or you didn't get the promotion or you didn't get the partnership mm-hmm. it's this or something better if it yeah. wasn't that something better is coming along you know I'm mm-hmm. like I mean what what other option do you have to be negative yeah. and pessimistic and be like the world is falling apart you mm-hmm. can do that but is that a great use of your time
0: I don't mm-hmm. think so that got me through my breakup
1: yeah there you go <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> this or something better was yeah. like definitely something that I thought of the whole time okay let's move on to the third one let me okay. see that was big picture thinking yeah I love this one for life in general as well so, the
1: big picture thinking is very much this like growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And mm-hmm. there are so many people, especially the corporate girlies, who are going to be probably be able to relate to this. The fixed mindset is like, I want to be a talent agent at CAA. And so, you work your whole career to like mm-hmm. get this role, you get in it, and then. You're not happy. Or, oh, this isn't what I thought. Why does it always happen? I know. (laughs) I know. It always happens like this. And it's because there's this fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Growth mindset is sort of like instead of me being dead set on this one specific thing, my goal is more about less about the outcome and more about the process. So it's January, people are setting goals. One thing I always tell people to try not to do is don't become too outcome oriented with your goal mm-hmm. because there's this whole sunk cost fallacy. And what happens is people will say, well, I've already spent five years working toward this career as a talent agent. I can't give it up now. Mm-hmm. Why can't you give it up? Why can't you give it up and move on to something better, right? That would mm-hmm. make you happier and more fulfilled. The sunk cost is the sunk cost. Like those five years, you're not getting them back, but they're not a waste because you can pivot into something else. But yeah. When we are unwilling to sort of say, "I'm unwilling to let go of this thing because I have already put in this much time," you actually run the risk of like being more unhappy down the road, mm-hmm. investing kind
0: of more time into the wrong things. So, well, it seems like you don't run the risk; it seems like it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's you're already unhappy right now. Well,
1: and then there's like this whole phrase, like quarter life crisis, mm-hmm. and there. I mean, there's there's probably a gazillion therapists out there who can also back this up with data and anecdotes of. So, what I think happens with big picture thinking is like. You, you can just get a little too attached to this one outcome mm-hmm. and then you run the risk of not being involved in kind of the process and, you know, strive for progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. And so we run into that trap that happens, the perfectionist trap where it's like, if I don't have this one thing at the end, then I'm doing it all wrong. And I feel like these are mindset shifts. These are kind of behavior shifts. Mm-hmm. But these are the things that, again, after talking to a bunch of very successful and fulfilled people, they will tell you like once they got off of that, this thing happened or they were able to enjoy this thing more. And so big picture thinking can be, you know, that five year plan that Mm -hmm. I mean, who are we kidding now? Everything is like, (laughs) what's your six month plan? (laughs) Um, But that can be a little bit dangerous and Mm -hmm. very get you more stuck on the wrong
0: track because you're unwilling to change. It reminds me of in my life I've done this. And I, I think I started realizing it more at that quarter life crisis. Because I was trying to fit myself into a box that I made for myself yeah. with arbitrary rules that I didn't exactly. realize were arbitrary. Yeah. And I'm like, it takes a lot to get you out of that because yes. you're just like, well, maybe those it was feel like,
1: safe. They yes. feel like secure, right? Mm-hmm. Like when people are like, I need job security. I'm going to go get a corporate job. I'm like, there's no job security anywhere. Like mm-hmm. you take yourself wherever you want Well, 2020
0: you told you well, know, yeah. a lot of people that, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like I've been told since I started what I do, you know, what are you going to do after this? Oh, and. It like you're not in a real the career. Time. Yeah. They're like, well, what are you going to do in the sentence? Or what are you going to do? And I have my boyfriend now, who is mm-hmm. the one I actually previously we were, went through a breakup. Uh, and then okay. we got back together. <laughs> so this or something better. It yeah. happened to be a better version of this. <laughs> yeah. But he plays baseball. Mm-hmm. And he's been playing professionally since he was 18. And he's been playing in the major leagues for a long time now. And he's at the top. He's won a World Series. And people are always like, wow. what are you going to do after? And I'm uh. like... It's that people will ask you that all day. When people, when I started realizing people did that to him, my dad mm-hmm. was a fighter pilot for a long time mm-hmm. as well. What are you going to do after? Yeah. It's like it's right now is not enough. Being yeah. a fucking fighter pilot yeah. or being a major league baseball <laughs> player. So when people ask me that, I'm like, I don't you know what I mean. You, I've seen this before. You know what I also
1: don't like is nobody can enjoy people just in this moment, like doing this one thing. Also, like
0: I've done, I built this myself. Yeah. This was my thing for me. Like if I'm being defensive, like yeah. I built this myself. I put yeah. everything into it. I took a big risk. I'll do it again with something else. Yeah. Easy. We're done. Yeah. And I had people ask me that all the time. And then 2020 hit and all my friends with secure jobs who were people, my friends don't ask those questions, but people who would ask those questions were furloughed or were were laid off. Yeah. And there was no job security for them either. And it made me feel more comfortable with my decision because I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Like, yeah, this could happen to them too. (laughs) Like, it's not just me taking a huge risk. It's all going to be kind of a risk.
1: Yeah. I will say too, as someone who's done corporate and also entrepreneurship, Pros and cons each. There is no, like... I think sometimes I wish I
0: was in a corporate job. Yeah, I sometimes. do too. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. do. Like, like some shit. days I'm like, should someone I give me a rule. Corporate? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like I want someone else to be in charge yes, of like making the rules. Please. Like I'm like, I don't know what to do next. But you know what? The grass is not greener. The grass is green wherever you water it. So mm-hmm. whatever you're investing in, you're investing in this career right now. And that is working for you. Yeah. You don't need to worry about what's next because you know what? What's next? First of all, it would be a waste of your time because yeah. whatever is next is maybe something that you can't even possibly think of right now mm-hmm. or is a relationship that you haven't met yet who's going to bring you this amazing corporate gig where you just get to run, yeah. you know, department of <laughs> the department of influencing. No, I don't like the point is is like you don't know and why would you not want to stay open-minded to that? Mm-hmm. That is a growth mindset. Yes. People who have fixed mindsets are the people who are asking what's next, what's next? And it I understand it feels safe and secure to be like I've got this perfectly laid out plan, but life mm-hmm. happens while you're making plans. Yes. And so you have to be very careful about being too invested or being unwilling to say, okay, when I need to pivot, how will I pivot? Mm-hmm. People who like those plans, they struggle the most with the pivots, the reinventions, the rebranding, because mm-hmm. they're waiting for someone else, which is why they fall into compare and despair. They lo- start looking outward of like, well, I don't know who I am. So I'm going to go look and see who do I want to be and copy that person's yeah. thing. And so it's it, these are all these kind of like tool sets that if you don't learn them early in life, you learn mm-hmm. them eventually yeah. and earlier better because that's real life, mm-hmm. you know, corporate or entrepreneurship. I yeah. always joke like entrepreneurship, you have your
0: highest highs and
1: lowest lows maybe in the same hour on mm-hmm. a day. You might not have that in corporate, but you have yeah. lots of other things.
0: Well, you it's know? like a dull. Like, for me and with entrepreneurships, I, I get excited, but it is more dull, I think, than people think. It is more like day to day minimal tasks glamorization that you see online it's not it's me sitting there with my dog being like i have eight thousand things to do and there's no way i can do them all today maybe i'll just lay down or (laughs) for
1: me sometimes it's like i have to figure all of these things out and Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't want to have to figure you to teach yourself stuff
0: constantly it's it's a lot and sometimes i do wish i had a little bit more structure but i'm trying this year to bring myself more structure yeah but back to the growth mindset thing i always think about a core tenet of note to self is trusting yourself yeah and it's I think growth mindset has a lot to do with that. It's yes. less like, "Hey, I'm gonna do all of these specific things that I've set out of rules I made for myself." It's whatever position I get put in, I can handle it. Yeah, and I'm gonna be able to do not only well, but I'm gonna be able to flourish and and take control of the things that yeah. I need to take control of. And having that level of confidence, it's almost like a delusion at first, but for me, it's been a huge game changer in anything in my life because yeah. I don't get as anxious and nervous anymore for things because I'm just like, "I'll figure it out." I will figure it yeah. out. Like I'm I'm smart. I'm capable. And even if you don't think that of yourself, sometimes it, maybe do the Rihanna thing where she's like, they asked, "What do you do when you're not feeling so confident?" And she was like, "Pretend." Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? Cry about it? Like, just I pretend. mean, ninety
1: nine percent of success comes down to how many times you say, "Fuck it, I'll figure it yeah, out." Yeah. Like honestly, like <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. like, and I also think if you're waiting for the moment when you feel confident, it's mm-hmm. not coming. Confidence is built by taking action. Yeah. So if you want to become a better public speaker. You have to go start speaking if you want to work with brands you mm-hmm. have to start working with brands you know like you have to start somewhere nobody
0: just is these overnight successes it's also messier than you would think like it's, it's not way as structured messier. as the people yeah. again with the podcast people say how did you get started and I'm like I randomly bought a mic and then I like yeah. was laying in my bed and I just like taught myself weird out. audio mastering from a like something that didn't make any sense and yeah then people were like Josh would be traumatized (laughs) by by what I was using for audio mastering. (laughs) I'm just like editing out like the little weird, you know, it wasn't structured. I didn't have any idea what was going on. But on the outside, it looked like, oh, she just like built this cool podcast and she knew exactly. No, no, I did not know anything that's happening. And I feel like for me, that's why it's weird when people point out success of my own to me because it doesn't it feels like success, but it doesn't feel like when they say it back to me. Yeah, it's not wrapped up in a tight little bow that they're yeah that they're explaining <laughs> it's like we're able to see success externally in other people yeah we
1: really struggle to see success internally mm-hmm. you know which is why there's a whole thing about like once a quarter write down your wins. i'm a big um fan or advocate of keeping a work journal okay so you, whatever work you have but like And you could do it at the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, but like record your wins, record Mm -hmm. your uh, events, record the areas where did anyone give you a compliment? Did anyone say you need, you know, give you some feedback? What about your interpersonal communication? Like, oh, I was in that meeting and I didn't come prepared with any questions. Like this is how you learn is Mm -hmm. sort of being able to take time to reflect what went well, what didn't go well, what would i do next time and then like iterate, 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 iterate. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be a person who is unwilling to iterate and unwilling to grow or unwilling to be open to doing things differently mm-hmm. because the world is changing very quickly and it's like i remember my first internship this is going to make me sound like a dinosaur. <laughs> we they wanted me to start the facebook page okay. and i was like, yeah, i can start a facebook page mm-hmm. and i wanted to do all these other things and they were like, oh, facebook's not going to be anything like i don't even know if we need to do this. And it's like, if you're unwilling to iterate, you're going to miss out on opportunities. Like mm-hmm. that company doesn't didn't have a Facebook page when it was free to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, I never want to be the person who's like unwilling to learn AI or bring it into my mm-hmm. workplace, you know, that kind of stuff. I so. thought about
0: that in my life. I told my boyfriend this a couple of nights ago. I was like, I want to be an old person who, like, knows how to work the new technology because yeah. that shows me that I'm still paying attention and I'm not afraid of change. Yeah. Because I think I even do that now where I'm, like, on FaceTime and, like, the emojis coming up yeah. and I'm like, where does this, how is uh, yeah. this here? How do I, and I'm like, oh, my God, I already feel so old. I have to get yeah. on top of this. Like, and you think it's so embarrassing, but then you realize <laughs> everyone feels this way. Yes, I'm like, <laughs> no, I have to be on top of this because it. I want that feeling of always Kind of being malleable. Yeah. Totally. I thought it's also good for your brain, I think. Yeah. This is a good lean into the fourth career trap. we are talking about kind of how things look on the outside is like the fallacy of like the dream career or dream job.
1: Oh my gosh. The number of times I've been told like or asked for advice, like, how do I find my dream job? Or what am I doing? Like, I I feel stuck. I just don't have that dream job yet. And I'm like, wow, the dream job is like this huge fallacy. Mm -hmm. And it looks so good on Pinterest and Instagram and TikTok and this little bow and all these people who are unqualified to be giving career advice on TikTok are all like, I can help you find your dream job. You only have to spend five thousand dollars with me to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like it makes me want to scream because I'm like, please don't listen to those people because the dream job doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And what people like about the dream job is, again, it's secure, it's safe and it comes with a lifestyle. Right. So when you think of the dream job, you think of these like friendships at work that are super healthy and amazing. You think of this boss who's super supportive, maybe no commute. And it's like, but real life is messy. Real Mm -hmm. life means hellish commutes. It sometimes means toxic bosses. It means disagreements with coworkers. It means layoffs. It means like all these things that when we want to live a life where those things don't exist, then we're not qualified to deal with those hardships. Mm -hmm. It's funny. So I have two kids under the age of two. So now I start listening to parenting podcasts. And there was this woman who was talking about she's I forget at Stanford, but she basically works with students at Stanford. Mm -hmm. And she said one of the things she sees about people who are successful. Obviously, you're successful if you go to Stanford, right? You've somehow managed life pretty well Mm -hmm. and you're at Stanford. And she said one of the things that differentiates the people who kind of like do even better there versus not is they failed early on in their life. So I'll give you the kid is Like they leave their lunch at home. Don't bring it to them. Mm-hmm. Let them have the experience of like, oh my God, I left my lunch. Like, what am I going to do? And figure it out, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to think about that in your own career too. And mm-hmm. so the dream job, the more you can kind of experience like these tough moments at work early on, mm-hmm. the more you're learning and you're adding to your toolbox. And so what I don't like about the dream job is that it makes people feel like, one, that it exists when it doesn't. And two, if somehow you don't have a dream job, you are missing out in life and you've failed. Yeah. And I remember this feeling. So I was a recruiter at Hulu before. And before that, I was an admin assistant at a university. I absolutely hated that job. Hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like right in the bathroom yeah. it was so terrible. <laughs> and I remember when I got my job at Hulu and recruiting feeling like I made it, like, mm-hmm. I, like this is it. And it felt very much like a dream job. And so speaking for someone who has had like literally a dream job, I can mm-hmm. tell you that one of the challenges with that is that your whole identity also gets wrapped up in that. hmm So there's a lot of negatives of that. What I would recommend instead people look for if they actually want this like successful and fulfilling life is a good enough job. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge advocate of the good enough job. The good enough job is not settling. What it's saying is we're not trying to make your whole identity your career. And it's very healthy to want to reclaim your life from your work and not have Mm -hmm. those things intertwined so much. And the other thing about the good enough job, which I guess now on TikTok, it's like the lazy girl job or Mm -hmm. like minimum Mondays these are all just like new trends that have come out for something that we've been talking about for a really long time, which is that dream jobs that exist. If you don't have one, you haven't lost in life. There's nothing bad about you. But also, why do you need to have a job and a side hustle and be this and be that? You know, like Mm -hmm. it puts so much pressure on people. So I would just like to pop the bubble right away and be like, the dream job doesn't exist. Everyone stop talking about it. It it only perpetuates this myth even Mm -hmm. further. And I think the people who get the most hurt from that are new grads or people who are early in their career who are trying to be like, if I don't, it's like going to the right college. If I don't go to the right college, if I don't start with the right career, my whole Mm -hmm. life
0: is over. And it's like, you cannot believe that. No. And that reminds me because I want to get into a couple questions before we close out. Because what you just said reminds me of it's a good little starting point for these questions they're still kind of rolling in. So that's why I haven't like written anything down because I was trying to see no, if anything I'm happy that they new f- came in. I more par- corporate girlies listening than you thought. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Well, I do know I get a lot of questions and I'm always like, guys, come on. Like I could just tell you like, oh, like enjoy your life. Like, yeah. <laughs> listen to yourself. Like yeah. I do iterate some things that you've said, but I just don't know how to necessarily apply them to corporate world yeah. in a tangible way. Yeah, you helpful. might not have the anecdote and the like metaphor that it's, I'm using. Yeah, like a you good haven't had a boss like that, for example. Yeah. OK, this girl says, I'm a new grad and I'm struggling to find a job due to experience. Do you have any advice? for yeah. Or someone like that. This is the whole
1: chicken and egg situation where mm-hmm. it's like you need experience to get the first job. But how do you get experience without yeah. having experience? <laughs> so I will first tell you that you probably have a lot more experience than you think. And mm-hmm. so a big part of job searching is also... The story you're selling, you are marketing yourself, and I know everyone is probably so sick and tired of hearing this, but storytelling is one of the most important skills you can learn to be successful in your career early on. Mm-hmm. So, for the person who's like, "I don't have any experience," yes, you do. You probably have had other jobs. Mm-hmm. You probably did something in college. I would assume. I mean, if you've literally have done nothing, then I'm gonna say go out and get do something. some job. Yeah, <laughs> like my first job was working at Old Navy. I learned a ton of skills from working at mm-hmm. Old Navy. So. My point being is you probably have a lot more experience, but what your challenge is, is you're struggling to figure out how do I take this experience and wrap it up to tell a story of who I am and what I want to do next okay so with that person one of the things I would do is you know yes write out your experience let's start getting that list going mm-hmm. but the other thing I want you to do is spend some time reflecting on like what are your strengths what are your skills what do you like doing what energizes you what like sucks your energy you can talk to your friends who know you well you can talk to your parents mm-hmm. but mostly you probably just need to take some time self-reflecting and everyone hates doing this because what they really want me to do is be like that magic eight ball that you shake up. And I'm like, here's the career for you. Also, I will tell you when you're early on in your career, I would prioritize things totally differently than later on in your career. You should prioritize learning opportunities. Where Mm -hmm. can you grow and learn? Where can you maybe work for a little bit bigger company or even a startup where you get involved and invited to a lot of rooms where you can hear conversations versus maybe prioritizing like the highest salary? One, you're not going to get the highest salary as an entry level (laughs) career, but also that growth is what can help you le- you can leverage that later on for having a really specific skill set that helps you get that higher salary. So, what I would also recommend this person do is think about what are those careers, what companies do you admire, what products you absolutely love and you're mm-hmm. a diehard for. So going back to when I was a recruiter at Hulu, I managed the intern to full-time program. Mm-hmm. And I would also ask, I would always ask them, like, why Hulu? Why are you interested in Hulu? I remember one of them told me their favorite show is a Netflix show. And I was like, okay, you actually don't know what we do here. Yeah, you know, yeah. but like my point being is like, if you're struggling on where to start with that, think of that stuff first mm-hmm. and then start having informational interviews with people who work in things that you find interesting. You can find these people on LinkedIn. You can send messages this is how I went from an admin assistant to a recruiter is I got some random assignment. Mm-hmm. By the way, I was in a job I absolutely hated. So take a job that's available to you if you need to. And this was in the middle of recession in 2009. So anyway, I took mm-hmm. a job, randomly got an assignment to do recruiting. I loved it. I was like, I'm going to be a recruiter. That's the career for me. Yeah. I wouldn't have found that without being in a job I hated. So mm-hmm. I mentioned that because any experience you're doing, you are actually learning a lot more than you think. Mm-hmm. And then I reached out to recruiters on LinkedIn. I think I reached out to like 70 or 80 and only 30 of them got back to me. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that because that's a less than 50% acceptance rate. So if you don't get a response, keep finding people to reach out to. You know, if your favorite company is Revolve, reach out to people that work at Revolve Mm because you love fashion. Whatever it is, I don't care. Just find any little speck that yeah. gives you of interest and have informational interviews with them so you can learn more about what their job is, what skills are required for the job. And guess what? You're going to iterate your resume mm-hmm. based on the experience you have. So it's tailored to what that is. Yeah, And it shows so much initiative when you start networking with people. Mm-hmm. One, that's the number one way to find a job anyway. So this is going to be really important. But when you're able to iterate that that resume based on those skills then you're able to tell a better story too yeah, so through
0: the right lens, exactly
1: like I graduated college last year and since then I've spent my time doing xyz the th- the common theme among all my experiences is I love working with people so mm-hmm. here's what I mean entry level we're not expecting you to be able to have had 10 years of experience right yeah but we want to hear the story. We want it to make sense. Spin it in a way where it doesn't leave us asking questions. Why you're mm-hmm. you're you're serving it to us on a platter? Here's the story. Yeah, that's what, what I, I was like to see. What
0: I like about what you have just said, especially from a starting point of figure out what it is that you like and connecting with self is so important. Note to yeah. self is about yeah was initially about me connecting with myself literally by myself in my room <laughs> with, a, with a mic and a glass yeah. of wine. And that's one of the most important things about this podcast for me is that everyone stops thinking about the shoulds and the this and that and all these rules and even the rules you make for yourself and connect with yourself. What do you want? What do you like? So I like that you started with go like look at companies that you genuinely like and roles that you genuinely want rather than being like the person who loves Netflix but shows up to Hulu because it's, you know, available and you hear she is trying to fit themselves in this like Hulu and they don't like it maybe if that's the case. Obviously, I'm extrapolating, but it kind of reminds me of when I was First, getting into all of this, and this is a different lane to this, but it's similar. I am a I was pre-law in college, so at my uh, degrees in political science, mm-hmm. and then my, my minors in sociology. And I realized about three years into political science that I was not going to be going the justice system route because yeah. I was like, "This is horrible," yeah. and I was so naive to think this is like it was as just as I thought. Yeah. So I was starting to look at other things. I always loved fashion, so I started to look at internships. and yeah. I found a company called For Love and Lemons. Oh, yeah, I know them. I mm-hmm. love them. Yeah. This was probably nine years ago, maybe 10 years ago now. And I was like, damn, I don't have any kind of PR or marketing experience in order to apply for this internship even. So it's not a yeah. you know a starter entry level job, but it's a, a step lower. But anyways, I was like, damn, I need to like have some way of showing that I can get people from kind of like social media onto a website because yeah. that's going to be the main mechanism for The marketing, Mm -hmm. so I started a blog. Yeah, and that's how literally all of this started. Is I started a blog and I had it for a couple months, and then I applied to be to have an internship there. And when I applied, I was like, "You might be thinking like they ask kind of why a poli sci major is interested." And I was like, "Honestly, the things I like about political science are the marketing, are like these tailored schemes to get people to do something, and it's very similar to marketing for fashion. You're running campaigns and you're understanding how people act in order to get, in this case." Buys rather than our purchases rather yeah. than votes, but I pitched this whole thing. I came up with this out of my asshole, but yeah. I was like, but I you just but I it made worked. it apply. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? I guess I did this without yeah. really even noticing, yeah. but it worked, and it of course I didn't end up going into PR marketing, but that helped me realize oh bloggers yeah. are getting paid to do things yeah was like I want to be a blogger yeah so I just kind of like maybe it could feel like a little bit of a, you know a bullshit moment I mean, <laughs> but it is spinning. selling yourself yeah it's yeah. spinning
1: it right it's the person who quits their job because they hate their boss and then when they're asked that question like mm-hmm. why did you leave your last job I'm like don't tell them that you left because you hate your job like <laughs> yeah. give them like a Something. version of the truth that's yeah. gonna work a little better you know what I mean? yeah you like, do have to,
0: you have to learn to sell yourself yeah you do that's a good skill to have let's see I've seen a couple questions that are similar to this, but she says, do you have any advice for changing your career at 30?
1: Yeah, career transitions are, are hard. They mm-hmm. really are. And I will say the best thing you can do with career transitions, it's going to be networking. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because your resume isn't going to tell the whole story. So let's give an example. You want to go from recruiting to marketing. There is a lot of transferable skills that overlap. I'm sure this person's like heard the word transferable skills mm-hmm. all day long. But that is a first step. Think about what trans. What do you want to do? That's Mm -hmm. actually the first thing. Is like, what do you want to transition into? Mm -hmm. I was at South by Southwest. You're from Texas, yeah. yeah. And I was at the career fair piece of it because I was working for Hulu and we had a booth and people would come up and say, oh, Hulu, love you guys. We're like, yeah, great. And mm-hmm. they're like, what are you guys hiring for? And we would always respond, what are you looking for? Yeah. It is not my job as a recruiter to figure out what you want to do. I'm mm-hmm. not your career transition coach. I want to know what do you want to do. So first you have to tell me what is it that you want to do? The second thing that you want to think about is what are your transferable skills? Do you have any major gaps? You know, mm-hmm. If you're going from recruiting to marketing, maybe you need to take some Excel classes or something like that to be better because yeah. marketing is a ton of just spreadsheet stuff, right? Or it depends on the marketing you're doing anyway the point being is you identify those things the next thing you want to do once you have those transferable skills and you start working on those skills gaps is think about networking and most of the time when you're making a career transition your inner circle are not the people you need Mm -hmm. to grow and get to that next step so you need to think of these like quote bridge connections who's going to help bridge you from here to whatever it is that you want to do next That means you might have to go outside and do some cold networking. You might have to ask your friends, hey, does anyone know who anyone who works in marketing at whatever type of company, right? Mm -hmm. Your ideal situation is networking with people who are in the same like department or role that you want to within a similar industry or company. So if you want to go into marketing at entertainment, go find another entertainment company with somebody in marketing, right? Mm So that is one of the best things you can do if you're thinking about making a career transition. And then the more you have these informational interviews or power chats, whatever term you want to come up with. I know sometimes Mm -hmm. when when you get older in your career, you're like, I don't want to call it an informational (laughs) idea, but whatever you want to call it, that networking is going to help you make that career transition. Because one, right now, the job market is extremely hard. Even the people who have 10, 20 years of marketing are having Mm -hmm. trouble getting those marketing jobs. And so, especially if you're making a career transition, it's going to be very reliant on you telling your story and that referral or that friend kind of saying, This person is worth an interview. I'm going to vouch for this person. And so, you might have to build those things. So, that's kind of my best career transition advice. Yeah, network
0: and building bridge connections. That's such a good answer. (laughs) You have so much knowledge on this that I'm just like, I'm so happy I brought you on because this is so helpful. Okay. A lot of questions about this as well, a couple of different iterations of the questions. But this person says, The art of a job interview, how do you set yourself apart? Yeah. Okay. So we, <laughs>
1: we used to do lots of interviews at Hulu mm-hmm. and a couple things. One, prepare, like just prep the shit out of yourself for this company mm-hmm. and this job. So, what I mean by preparing is there's a the person who comes in who's like, I read the job description. Great. Then there's a mm-hmm. the person who came in who's like, I read the job description. I matched every little thing that you're looking for to my transferable skills or my own experience. I know everything about your company and I also researched you as the interviewer. Okay. That's way more interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you can do is think about if I'm interviewing you and we only have 30 minutes, I want to be able to have deep conversations on a number of things with you. Mm -hmm. If you're the person who hasn't prepped well for your interview, we're probably going to spend the whole 30 minutes just answering the tell me about yourself or they give me their whole life answer or their whole life story, right? So the best thing you can do before you go in for an interview is do a lot of preparation. Mm -hmm. Understand that job description is really like the key. It's telling you what they what skills they want to know, but also learn about the company. They probably have a company website. They probably have mm-hmm. LinkedIn. The other thing you can do is you can go on LinkedIn and see what their employees are saying about them. You can literally search the company by post in the last 24 hours. And everybody yeah. who works at the company who has been posting. What are they talking about? What are the news uh, press releases? So you can type the company name on Google and then click news and Have they been in the news recently? Have they done anything cool? I think you stand out in a conversation or in a job interview when you're able to kind of show off that prep work through Mm -hmm. the answers you're giving, through the questions you're asking. The other thing, don't ever, ever leave an interview without having some questions prepared to ask them. So at the end of an interview, I'm always going to say, do you have any questions for me? Mm -hmm. The person who says, nope, I'm all good. I'm like, it's, it's a no. It's a no (laughs) for me. Like I can't do anything with that. I do not have any
0: questions. (laughs) Like I,
1: you, you can't possibly waste this opportunity where you're face to face with this potential employer, not asking (laughs) any questions. Right. Also, if you need help, Career Contessa, go on our website. We have so many free resources to help you come up with questions, even like sample answers. And I'm not saying don't be a robot. Don't, don't, copy them word for word, but get mm-hmm. comfortable, have mock interviews. If you know that you are not great at the answer, tell me about yourself. Hire a career coach to work with you for one hour to help you kind of like really perfect that elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. So those are just like some quick tidbits on how to stand out.
0: It kind of reminds me of how I, I prep a little bit for episodes. Like I'll listen to other podcasts mm-hmm. that many people have been on, listen to your podcast, read the, some of the book, you know, yeah. and it kind of I was thinking about this interview in particular before we had it because mm-hmm. I started reading the book like a little while ago and I'm notorious for like I just like to have like a real conversation with people usually and I want to be surprised by the things they're saying so I don't always want to know yeah. every single thing yeah but had you walked in here and I said tell me about yourself it would have it taken us forever to get to what I think like the meat of the conversation talking about yeah career traps which yeah. is, I think is a really important yeah piece to share with the audience it would have taken us I don't know, three separate episodes for yeah. me to get all <laughs> yeah. the way to there. You know what I yeah. mean? So I guess it's kind of reflective of that. I can see parts of this and why yeah. that would be so important. If
1: you can find a bunch of free information on the internet, mm-hmm. don't ask those questions in an interview. Yeah. You could say, I listened to the podcast interview with your COO mm-hmm. and she mentioned XYZ. Yeah. So we, to your point, we've skipped a whole 30 minute part of that, mm-hmm. but we're able to, and like you've now dropped a hint that you've been researching. Yeah. I love that there's so much good free content out there that mm-hmm. companies are putting out there. So it's like they're not even making it that hard so i completely agree and the other like just like fun little hack i will say if you want to stand out is wear a bright color okay i remember we had this person that hulu who wore a bright yellow blazer to mm-hmm. every single interview i think she had like three or four interviews and it was always like the yellow blazer person the, yeah, like yeah. if they if they like started to forget a name they, i'd be like the girl in the yellow blazer mm-hmm. and they were like yeah that one <laughs> that one you know and so one thing I always do when I go to networking events is I wear a full red suit okay. because I stand out.
0: Power suit. Yeah. It was moment. like, yeah, yeah, it was like
1: a total power suit moment. I don't have any like research to show this mm-hmm. other than like, you will stand out in a memorable way. I don't, I don't think it has to be a bright color. My mm-hmm. whole thing is just like, I, that's something I remember still from this well, day. Aesthetics this first, are yeah. important. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Like you, you will remember that. I also think I really like the idea of stepping into an interview and it's almost like you're with the interviewer and you're already working with them because yes. you already live in their world. Like yeah. you already know everything about what's going on. You know the vocabulary. Yeah. More of
1: a two-way conversation yeah. versus them just like pounding you with question after question after question. You're mm-hmm. like, we're not
0: we're not getting anywhere with that, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I've also noticed that with hiring for myself because mm-hmm. I'm doing it on a smaller scale my fucking nightmare, by the way, <laughs> I did this for a job. I hate it. But it is interesting because I don't want someone when I think about it, I don't want someone passive. I don't want someone mm-hmm. that needs me to to prompt them for yes. things. I want someone who can be like, I know you. I know what you like. I know what you might need. And hey, I yeah. have some ideas. And here's, you know, so I I totally get this from almost like a not a Hulu hire side, yeah. but like a someone yeah. who's trying to hire. Yeah. I've only found a couple People of all the people I've hired for, like an assistant position, for example, that mm-hmm. offer me a level of ability to trust them. Yeah. It could be through delusional confidence. I don't know if I really yeah. <laughs> should trust them, but like I feel like I can trust them. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Because they know what's going on. Yeah. Bare minimum. Okay, I'll help. let's do one more. Okay. This one says, I'm comfortable in my job, but I'm also starting to wonder if it's time to move on. I really like to work hard, but I'm sick of getting taken advantage of. How do I set boundaries in the workplace?
1: Oh, yeah. So setting boundaries is very important, but one thing, just to mention what they're talking about is they're Mm -hmm. saying, I'm working really hard, but I don't, almost like they don't feel like they're moving forward. Yeah. That goes back to that piece I was saying about, you want to be invaluable in a role, not indispensable. Yeah. Indispensable people are primed to overwork because they're indispensable to a role and we need them to do that one thing and that one thing only. Invaluable people are primed for impactful work because it's almost like, okay, your boyfriend's a baseball player. Mm -hmm. He has his position, but he probably knows everything that's going on in the field. Yeah. Right? That's the invaluable person. It's Mm -hmm. I know what my role is and I'm doing the job that is needed for me right here. But I'm sort of aware of what's happening in the entire game so that I can adapt and pivot and move when I need to. Right. And he's a
0: pitcher. So that's a it's a great person to be invaluable. (laughs) Yeah. But like he does he does do exactly that to go on with that metaphor. You have to adjust by a certain hitter. You adjust your pitches, but you also adjust where people are in the field to receive. Exactly. Some kind of hitting. Yeah. So
1: think of that in your career. How can you create impact versus just, again, doing the busy work, the indispensable person. So the first thing I would ask this person is, do you have clarity about what are the most impactful, important, and urgent things happening at work? Mm -hmm. Sometimes those are not the things on the agenda. Sometimes you might have a paper agenda, you go into a meeting, but the things that everybody is talking about is this crisis that happened in the last 24 hours. And that's Mm -hmm. clearly a place where you could make an impact if you can help out, right? Yeah. And so I I try to explain that to people because it's like. If you're feeling like I'm working really hard, but I'm not moving up, that's one of the first things I would recommend. Mm -hmm. As far as the setting boundaries, boundaries work a lot better if you are very clear about them upfront. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to guess. No one has the energy to guess what your boundaries are. So one of my best tips is to communicate them upfront. So one of the things I love when teams do is have like a communication guide of working with me. So right off the bat, how do we communicate with each other? When do Mm -hmm. we send text messages? When do we use Slack for messaging? When we do, like, again, just like, basically setting up a bunch of structure around things that can sometimes get awkward boundaries. So I expect when I send you a message for it to be responded within 24 hours, or mm-hmm. I, re- I I expect you to keep nine to five work hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. The more you can really set boundaries and like kind of then hold the line with them. And mm-hmm. mind you, I'm not talking about crazy boundaries. I'm talking about yeah. just really like communicating these human boundaries. That's very important. Another thing I really like to utilize is after you've communicated all this, you can reiterate it in the signature of your email address. So, mm-hmm. for a while, I had in the signature of my email address something like, "You know, I don't work traditional hours, so I might respond to you at like that's smart, yeah. Uh, later times. By no means do I expect you to get back to me. And and so I had this whole thing because I was trying to manage the expectations and the and the boundaries for other people. Like, hey, I might send you something at one a.m. at mm-hmm. the time I had like a newborn. So one a.m. Yeah. felt like you know what <laughs> time? In what day is it? But the point being is like. I wasn't expecting that for you. So I I liked the email signature. I also really like the advice of have one really strong boundary and some Mm -hmm. loose boundaries or softer boundaries. So my strong boundaries, like I am not working on the weekends, but maybe my soft boundary is like, if you need me after I leave work, you can text me if it's really important or something like that. I don't think boundaries are ever going to be black and white. I think Mm -hmm. that they're always going to be something similar to like a relationship. You're always sort of like working on they might not always be
0: 50/50. Well there's also emergency, situation. emergency you situations. Emergency I situations Life yeah. happens. I totally get but that. But
1: I think successful teams have that trust built in and part mm-hmm. of it is that they are respecting each other's boundaries but most of all they know what each other's boundaries are, yeah. right? I don't know if Peyton doesn't tell me that she doesn't answer emails after 6 p.m., I don't know not to do that. Or You know what I mean? Like you can't fault people for things that they don't know. So Mm -hmm. first you have to communicate those things. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of Get in this weird relationship with boundaries where they're like, I don't want to have to share them. And it's like, you oh, so to. you want us to <laughs> yeah. just guess what they are? <laughs> like that. No, you can't yes, that. Yes, that have
0: that's happened to me in a relationship before too, where yeah. it's like, you want me to guess. And it's like, how yeah. would I fucking know? That? No,
1: and the finish line is always moving. Yeah, it's not, what it's is not happening?
0: fair. No. Yeah.
1: And so the I think one of the best things you can do as a team, especially if I were a manager of a team, I'd have everyone sit down. And I'd be like, let's go over some like ground quote rules or limits that mm-hmm. we have for our team. So that we're all on the same page. We all know what they are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and then
0: move forward from there. What you said in the beginning about being invaluable, Mm -hmm. which is indispensable, reminds me of Suits. How like the main guy obviously is a genius, but he like is always doing the problem that needs to get solved. (laughs) He like knows it before everyone else and he just like figures it out. Yeah. And he like is not didn't go to law school in the show or anything like that, but he like is he, no one can replace him because he's always figuring out the big problem. Yeah. So I'm not saying, obviously, you need to be that guy from Suits, but it just uh, instantly reminded me of that. He's so invaluable yeah. <laughs> to the team yeah. because he was the one that was like going and tackling these bigger problems.
1: Well, or he was in- indispensable to the team They mm-hmm. couldn't afford to lose him because the other quality of invaluable players or people at work is that they are teaching other people how to do their job so they yes. can move around and do something different, mm-hmm. right? So... One of the things I worry about is when people are so good at their job, I'm like, then teach someone else how to do it. Yeah. Like, delegate. Start sharing that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Use a loom video to delegate this one thing. Because if, I, if you're a top performer in your role, but I can move you, again, your boyfriend's a pitcher. If mm-hmm. I can move him to first base or second base and yeah. he's
0: just as valuable, mm-hmm. now he's invaluable. Well, you now there, there's a guy named Shohei Otani who is a pitcher and pitchers don't hit anymore, but mm-hmm. they used to. And now he's also an, an unbelievable hitter. Yeah. So he just signed the biggest deal in baseball history ever mm-hmm. because he can play on both sides of the ball yep. because he is so invaluable. There go. <laughs> yeah, there we the go. Lo- I think it was like a $700 million deal. Okay, like, so there. Okay, enough. <laughs> <was Okay>. <laughs> That's invaluable. Yeah. That's cool and yeah. valuable. <laughs> also, I like the point that you make about being invaluable and being able to teach other people your skill. My dad did that for a long time. He was a really unbelievable fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. for most of my childhood and he when he ended up being the best the best the top of the top it's like in top gun yeah where they take them the air force has weapons school it's the same thing they take you to there to be an instructor pilot yeah and you start teaching yeah like people underneath you and that made him invaluable to yeah, i believe the it. air force for example yeah so it's like i like that you draw that because i had never thought about that indispensability versus being invaluable
1: yeah i A lot of people have been asking me recently, how do I not get laid off? You know, it's like, look, I can't give you a blanket statement. But what I can say is that invaluable contributors to a team are highly employable. Mm -hmm. And when you work with people and they know that about you, they're the connections that say, come work with me over here or let Mm -hmm. me share your resume there. And so these are just, you know, kind of overall advice that I've noticed. Again, I have one of those jobs where I get to talk to people who are very successful in work and understand like what's their mindset what mm-hmm. are their behaviors what are the habits that they do consistently and these are just like eventually you talk to enough people and there's an overlap and that's yeah. kind of where it comes down to is like they think about that kind of stuff they've mm-hmm. got this mindset that thinks how can i help serve versus how am i going to
0: you know just benefit myself mm-hmm. you know be the only like this island of the best person on the team yeah. you know what i mean yeah okay so to end the episode yes. we always do a little note to self okay and I have mine already while you were talking about okay. that, I, I just thought about mine. So I'll give you a second to think about yours. Okay. It's just something for the week. Maybe you need to hear. Maybe your your you know higher self is talking to you in a sense. <laughs> for me, I talked about this a little bit last or in my New Year's episode, so two episodes ago, about how I need to work more for my career goals in quarters Mm-mm. instead of for the year, because I think it's for me easier to track and it makes me more motivated to kind of get the ball rolling. Of course, you can't do some things in one quarter. Uh, managing expectations, as we discussed, is yeah. probably uh, a priority for me in this. But I need to really look at both Q1 and Q2, and this is a very tangible note to self. Doesn't need to be this tangible, but I need to really sit down and think about that and make some time today or tomorrow to think about like specific work goals because there's a project I'm trying to put together right now that is just overwhelming the shit out of me. So I just need to like break it down. Yeah, yeah. I need to break it down. I need to remind myself that like it's okay to break it down and it'll start, you know, get me starting to work on it more rather than just like putting it off and living in dreamland
1: um that's a very good note to solve it's Thank gonna be you know. hard to not talk like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> equal it can um, also be like
0: life parenthood whatever you well, want
1: well you know what's funny is this is the first time I've been back in the studio in four years mm-hmm. I, I was telling my producer I came the week of COVID I think mm-hmm. on that Monday and you know by Thursday or Friday, everybody was home. And so I haven't gotten out of the house in a while. Mm -hmm. I've had two kids. And so what's funny is I was over here and like the guy in the coffee shop across the street remembered me. And I was just I was having this flashback today to like life pre-COVID. And sometimes I forget that it's almost been four years. Mm -hmm. So I think a note to sell for myself is to sort of like Try to remember who you are. Like, I I think my identity has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Having kids obviously does that. But one of my notes to self would maybe be like, get out a little bit more, Mm -hmm. like do a few more things in person. It's so easy and it's so comfortable to be like, I'm just going to do everything from home because it's so efficient. Yeah. And even though it does take a lot of effort to get out of the house, like, I, I think a note to myself is like, hey, it's important to prioritize that. Yeah. Maybe don't you don't have to prioritize every time you need to leave the house,
0: mm-hmm. but like pick and choose and, and make that more of a priority this year. Oh, I'm a compartmentalizer. I decided that this year. I'm like, you know, you're going to the studio and because I I did the last two episodes because I got too lazy last year yeah. to come in before everything closed. So I did the last two episodes at home and I used to do that a lot. And I, I always think when I come in, I'm like, God, it'd be so much easier to do it. at I know. Home. It's but this is just <laughs> it feels more like I, I feel more official yeah and I need a time to like get out of the house and go absolutely do and just like even getting dressed and like yes. getting in the car like, <laughs> the,
1: like the, the commute to like yes. get here no the whole thing is like it's it's important and it's funny I promised my producer I would come here twice this quarter <laughs> I was like, like I I'm gonna here. start slow I don't wanna overpromise, but I will do it twice and then we'll see what happens what happens but, yeah no. mm-hmm. oh,
0: I love that well thank you so much for coming on yeah, no, I'll have to come you on at, have you on at some point for or more detailed stuff because, again, I get so many career-related questions. Yeah, absolutely. And some people I just, like, don't know. I just don't trust anyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll be everybody's career coach. And your okay. answers are so
0: good and very, like, note to self-ask. Like, some people have good answers, but, like, the the theme and the feel of this podcast, I like to, like, I like to go into it thinking how the people are going to leave. Like, mm-hmm. what's the feeling they're going to have? I don't want to overwhelm people. I always yeah. want to come back to a certain feeling of, like, trust yourself yeah. and like, you're okay. Like things are going to be fine. No one else knows what's going yes. on. So I'm glad that you can like match that energy. So I really appreciate Well, oh,
1: I think with career advice, it can get a little too abstract sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, but what do I actually Tangible. say yeah. <laughs> when this yeah. happens? Like, yeah. thanks for the woo-woo, but like, I need some type A advice too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I always try to mix the two. So that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> of
0: course. We all go listen to the Career Contessa podcast. I promise you it's going to give, no matter what you do, it'll, it's a lot of help. The productivity <laughs> one I'm about about to, our guest like hacks I guess yeah yeah I'm about to listen to that one on the way home I have it already queued up oh good the book is great it's on audible as well if you're an audible girly like me and then you can also check out the the career contessa website for a ton of resources y'all have been around for a while so you've got got a a lot going on (laughs) forever (laughs) but thank you so much thank you